The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. With all the news reports coming out of Ukraine about the Russian intrusion on the border, I was able to, through the goodness of the people at Cedarville University, make contact with a student from Ukraine, Abigail Rist, and I thought it'd be really interesting and informative to get her perspective on how she's following this from the states and the conflicting news reports. So, Abigail, thanks so much for your time this morning, and uh, how are you following this uh, issue in your homeland? Give us a little bit of background about your roots in Ukraine. Yes, thank you. So I grew up in Ukraine. I'm an American citizen, but I grew up in Ukraine, and my family moved back to the U.S. about a year ago. Um, And so I do have a lot of friends and family, especially my church family back in Ukraine. And so I've I've been reading a lot on through different news stations, both in English and in Ukrainian, on the situation in Ukraine right now, as well as I have a lot of friends who have just been keeping me updated and in the loop on how how they're feeling about the situation. Um, and their thoughts on a lot of it. How would you characterize what you're hearing from them? You know, we see news reports that people are going about their lives as normal, and we hear other things that, you know, the U.S. says an invasion is imminent. The Ukrainian president says, no, it's not. The latest news reports I read are similar conflicts. But what are your friends telling you about how they're, you know, bearing up during this time? Yeah, people are not panicked. They're not playing into the panic fear that Russia is um, is trying to trying to press on to people. People are definitely just going on with life as normal, um, going to work, going out to eat, enjoying just day-to-day life. Um, They definitely, people are preparing for some sort of an invasion, potentially. They are stocking up on food. There are increased military drills. Some people do have rough evacuation plans to different parts of the country, but in general, people are just you know what, they're going on with their day-to-day life. Abigail Rist is our guest. She's a student at Cedarville University. She was born in the U.S. but moved before her first birthday to Ukraine, grew up there. Her family has moved back here. And we're talking with her about how people in Ukraine are processing this threat of a Russian invasion. And uh, is this something people in Ukraine live with on a daily basis? I mean, the political situation over there is not always front-page news here in the U.S., but, you know, we don't typically take a very favorable view of Vladimir Putin and Russia. But uh, for Ukrainians... An independent country? What's the day-to-day life like with Russia being a neighbor? Well, people have been living with the threat of a Russian invasion for eight-plus years now, since Russia annexed Crimea back in 2014, and since there have been fighting and casualties uh, daily in the Donetsk Luhansk region. And this is just something that you, you learn to live with. It's Everybody knows somebody who's on the front lines. We're all affected by by the war and by by having Russia as a neighbor and Russia wanting uh, the Ukraine territory, but you learn to live with it. You learn to separate the the fear and the worry and just to continue on with your day-to-day life. So, Abigail, if I'm right, Ukraine used to be a part of the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union broke up and all these uh, countries split up. I'm sure that probably didn't happen during your lifetime, but what have you heard of those days and how life is different now? And I think that'll get to how people in Ukraine will react to an invasion, whether they take it without resisting or whether you think there'll be some really stringent resistance and the reports of mass casualties and this being really ugly and the worst thing to happen to continental Europe since World War II uh, would in fact be the reality. 
Yeah, Ukraine under the Soviet Union, there was, of course, no freedom of religion, no freedom of speech, um, and those two very important things that I think Ukraine has really appreciated within the past 30-plus years of independence that they've had. Um, and so that's something that at least my generation, we don't want to go back to. I mean, we, we would like to wake up on Sundays and be able to worship the Lord freely. We'd like to be able to read the news freely, talk in Ukrainian language freely, whereas under the Soviet Union, and if Ukraine goes back under Russia, like none of those things would be would be allowed. Abigail Rist is our guest. She's a student at Cedarville University, grew up in Ukraine for formative years there, moved back here with her family about a year ago. So there's this balance, right? I mean, with a Christian attitude, Christian love for others, yet you want to preserve your freedom, and part of that freedom is freedom of religion. So the friends that you talk to, what do they tell you about how they will handle this if, in fact, they are literally fighting for their freedom? I know a lot of people right now are hesitant to go to the front lines, more so because of the fact that there have been casualties and there has been a war going on for the past eight years and has changed. And so a lot of my Christian friends are are worried about going to the front lines, especially since um, men have not been in the household for a long time due to the Soviet Union, due to um, the wars that have happened in the past. And people are enjoying having families back together, dads, aunts, uncles, brothers, um, all together. Um, and so I think my Christian brothers and sisters don't uh, don't want to go to the front lines just yet. I know a lot of people are pursuing chaplaincy programs um, and are praying uh, very heavily about um, any potential further invasion, um, as well as providing any physical support that they can, food, um, helmets, money, anything that could potentially help uh, people on the front lines. Abigail, what's your sense of the U.S.'s actions in this matter? Do you feel like they have supported Ukraine to the extent that they should, that the support should be greater than it is? How do you feel about that personally as you watch it and follow it? I do. I do wish that the U.S. could do more to help Ukraine. Um, And I think Ukrainians share the same sentiment. Um, Ukrainians really look up to the United States. um, And so I think they would personally really like some um, military Um, more military backing, Um, but yes. Abigail Rist, our guest, she's a student at Cedarville University. It's a great place for you to send your son or daughter. They get a uh, faith-based, strong Christian foundation built under them so that they can handle the challenges of the world, and certainly this is one of the biggest challenges that any believer could face if you're right there in Ukraine and an invasion happens. I'm curious, Abigail, uh, are you following this closely on a daily, hourly basis? And if so, like, how has your faith and the Cedarville community ministered to you during this time and helped you deal with all the challenges and all the thoughts and uh, and things you're dealing with? Yeah, no, I do follow this very closely. I wake up in the mornings, and it's the first thing I look at, you know, and then open up my Bible right after I look at the news. Um, and I've just I've been blessed with a really good community around me who has been able to pour into me both spiritually and emotionally and, and physically during this time. Um, a lot of people have come up to me and just either prayed with me or told me that they are praying, their church is praying. And it's very, it's very heartwarming and very encouraging to know that my, my friends and family here in America are praying for my friends and family back in Ukraine. Um, and you know what? You just wake up every morning and you trust that God is good and that God is going to take care of your friends and your family back in Ukraine, your church family back in Ukraine, 
And so, yes, yes, you wake up and you trust. Yeah, that's uh, that's the essence of the Christian life, at times more challenging than others. And I'm sure this is yeah. a very challenging time for you. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts uh, with us, making yourself available, and uh, wish you the best. And certainly you will be in the prayers of uh, myself and my audience. All the best to you. Thank you. Bruce Hooley Show on The Answer. Take us with you wherever you go. iHeartTuneInRadio.com app. You can watch the show on our Facebook live feed, The Bruce Hooley Show, or the uh, 989 The Answer Facebook page. You can also donate to Adult Teen Challenge Ohio. Yesterday, we had representatives of Teen Challenge standing by to take your phone calls. You cannot donate by phone here today, but you can donate on our website, 989TheAnswer.com, or on our Facebook pages. My show page or the answer show page. We raised over $5,000 yesterday. Thank you so, so, so much. And we hope to double that total by the time the fundraiser concludes on Sunday. I want to thank my friends at Willis Spangler Starling, the attorney firm in Hilliard, Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. They've donated $1,000. So come on. Forego the Starbucks. Forego the fast food lunch today. Think about how much you spend a week on things like that. The $28,000 cost that is paid all from donations, the students, women trapped in addiction, pornography, alcohol, drugs, human trafficking, prostitution. The students, their families don't pay. And a lot of times Teen Challenge is the last place because it's a regimented discipline program. Uh, It's not fun. No phones for 14 months, no sugar, no caffeine. And they get rid of your addictions, and they put you on a path to success. And their success rate, their recovery rate is 76%, <laughs> which is uh, about 12 times what the industry standard is because they convince people of the truth that God created them to thrive, that Christ died for them, and that all the mistakes they've made are covered if they just accept the cross and the message of the cross. Awesome program. I advocate for it because I've supported it for 20 years. I've seen it work. And I would just love for you to contribute at 989theanswer.com. Now, I frequently have on the show as a guest, Tom Susie, former local television investigative reporter. And Tom, like me, used to be part of the uh, mainstream media. Now he, like me, is ashamed of what the profession we used to belong to has become. But he has continued to do important work, and he's doing it independently. You'll find his reporting at thesusireport.com, thesusireport.com. And about a week ago, Tom had a story about the resignation of four of the five forensic pathologists at the Franklin County Coroner's Office. And today, the dispatch comes out with the story Look at that. About four of the five forensic pathologists at the Franklin County Coroner's Office resigning. Oh, well, they're only a week behind, Tom Susie. Now, they haven't had much, the dispatch, on the suspension out of the blue last week of two Pickerington local school district high school principals. Uh, One is back at work. The charges against her were right out of the woke manual. Apparently she was uh, roughhousing, messing around with a 
kid she had a relationship with. They were having fun. She called him by, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a name, not a, it wasn't his own name. It wasn't a, it wasn't a transgender thing. She just called him by like, like a name, like you'd say, Hey, get this knucklehead off of me. Although she didn't say knucklehead. She said something else. Get this uh, crazy person off me. Get this wacko off me. Get this whatever. And, of course, if you're looking for it and you want to twist it into a racial term, you can. And they did. Now, she's back at work. She's being investigated. She'll probably have to go through some nonsensical sensitivity training. Rather than, you know what she should have done? Maybe it would be better for the kid and better for the school if she just stayed in her office with the door locked and didn't interact with any children didn't get to know them personally, didn't forge a bond with them where she could feel comfortable and they could feel comfortable with her roughhousing with them. Maybe that would be better. No, of course it wouldn't be better. It'd be safer. It'd be way safer, which I'm sure she's now learned. But the other suspension of the principle is a lot more problematic and you will find the details of it on thesusireport.com. Headline says, lawyer says school officials and parents fail to protect children from teen sexual predator. This is really troubling. Uh, Channel 4 also has had a report on this, although not as many details as Tom has had. Uh, this involves a 15-year-old student at Pickerington North High School against whom there have been lodged three separate Complaints of sexually predatory activity against three different minorities under the age of nine. This is uh, really bad. Here's the comment from the attorney, Sean Alto, who represents the family of one of the victims. Families in our community deserve better. The juvenile sexual offender has been convicted of rape and other sexual offenses. And we'll be held accountable, but more is required. We demand accountability from the adults whose irresponsibility enabled these crimes. Tom Soucy, in his report, identifies the parents of the sexual predator as, one, a high school school administrator at a different school district, and another as someone who works for Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. I want you to go to Tom's site so you can read that, and I want Tom to get the traffic that he deserves to get rather than me just giving you all the details here on the show. But Tom has the reports from the Fairfield County Sheriff's Office, a January 13th incident, 15-year-old boy, 7-year-old boy on a school bus. Then there's an incident in the summertime, August 7th, the boy... This time victimizes a five-year-old boy and takes him behind a bush at a swim party and says, hey, let's play a game and gets the kid to pull down his swim trunks and molest him. Thankfully, the five-year-old told his parents, sheriff's report filed right away. And then there's another incident after that. The first two incidents have resulted in Pleas of delinquent, which in juvenile parlance, that means guilty. So this student at Pickerington North clearly 
clearly has serious issues and clearly has done some very serious things. Yet he's, up until recently, still been at Pick North High School. Uh, Pleas to get him out of the school were ignored. One of the victim's father says, We informed administrators at the teen school of our concerns regarding the teen returning to school despite attempts by our family to protect to prohibit the teen from returning to in-person classes, the teen was permitted to resume classes, meaning. So the, the young man had already been charged with rape, was awaiting trial, and was given unsupervised access to more kids. And then he reoffended. So another family is dealing with this fallout. Again, the details are at thesusireport.com. But this is a really serious situation. And if you're a resident of Pickerington, you send kids to Pick North High School. I would be at that next school board meeting, and I would be asking, no, no, no. I would be demanding answers as to how this can happen. But, you know, can you be surprised? The way that social-emotional learning is pushed in our schools, the way that, oh, Explore your sexuality. Talk to a teacher about it. We played the clips from the seminar at Hilliard-Davidson. Are you surprised kids try this kind of stuff? They're actually encouraged, I think, to do it.